Well, I know a lot of you guys are kind of not happy about the weather situation. At least I'm not anyway. But I'll tell you what, after doing that together with you guys, that was uh, definitely a pick-me-upper, if there ever was one. So glad you guys have uh, been able to join us today and, and certainly our friends online. And hopefully there are people who normally come here that are online because you guys shouldn't be going out in this stuff. So glad you stayed home. And for you guys that came, if you need some help walking back to your car or whatever, we'll help you however we can. We don't want anybody falling. Uh, we thought winter had been served the memo. Now we're going to have to take legal action against the winter. And, uh, and summons them and say, you know what, you're stepping out of bounds here. We're, we're, we've moved on already, Winter. But, you know, sometimes the weather doesn't, doesn't quite get it. But hopefully, whatever the season is, when Jesus is at the center of that season, it's all good. And, uh, wow, last night, I know several of you guys were able to join us with our first FCC senior prom night. Man, I'm a little worn out, to be honest with you. It was, it was so good. Just a good time. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, exactly. And my guess is, uh, I bet you that's Rachel snoring. Because uh, her, her and Brent and the team just did a fantastic job just putting that together. I don't, do we have any pictures? Maybe we'll put one. Oh, there's one right there. Well, yeah. The prom king and queen. How about it? It costs you a lot of money. But you know what? I, if, you're, if, you're, if you're crowned and you're a king, we know what that means. There'll be more money flowing. So we'll be checking the offerings, seeing how that works out. All right. <laughs> well, congratulations. I hope you guys uh, had an awesome time. I know it was really good for our morale, and it was just another us-together moment that God's been leading us through. And I think that's just been so good. I mean, I just love to celebrate the things that God's doing in this post-quarantine season that we're coming out of. And just how he's been at work in our church and in all, all of our lives. It's just such a joy to talk to you guys and see how God's spirit is orchestrating things in very similar ways uh, in, in the lives of, of all of us. And, and that's a pretty neat thing. It's much larger than any one of us. It's larger than me as the pastor or the elders or the staff or any you know, people that have been leading. Uh, it's something that we're kind of carried along by. And uh, it's, a, it's a true God moment. But we talked about Kairos moments and Kronos moments um, and how God shows up and how every Sunday morning God shows up and has a fresh word for us. Uh, but as we uh, go to that place where we want to invite him, I want to offer a few announcements and then uh, we'll, we'll proceed from there. Uh, so just real quickly, as you know, uh, we have our, our Lent devotional out. It's a, the third supplement, uh, so it'll be for uh, the, this week, uh, tomorrow, moving into the next two weeks. Uh, so hopefully you guys can uh, grab one of those if you haven't. And if you haven't 
received any of them. We have all three installments, and I think if you read them, you will you'll find that God will will help you sort of in ways that um, uh, you know He's helped us. And so please get one of those. Uh, we have on uh, Palm Sunday, which is just coming up pretty shortly. I mean, it's amazing how quickly Easter's upon us. Palm Sunday, we're going to be um, doing uh, Stations of the Cross. So that'll be after in the afternoon on, on Sunday. So I want to keep that in mind alongside our Monday, Thursday service and our Good Friday service, which will help us to really appreciate uh, saying he is risen on, on Easter Sunday. So uh, keep that in mind. And then um, if uh, you have any prayer concerns, I know we're trying to make it so that uh, our friends online can be included in that. So Brian has been working. These mics have been showing up all over the place, and they're designed to pick up uh, what you guys are putting down. That's what my kids would say. Um, and so hopefully uh, we can be praying for the needs that, that come up. So let's just start off. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, Joe Carroll Gray uh, uh, is uh, at Auburn right now. She's had vertigo, and uh, she's probably going to be moving into assisted living. And I think, I think that'll be a good thing. But please be praying for Joe Carroll and uh, certainly for uh, Gladys Bota, who lost her daughter, uh, Jill, a while back. Uh, keep her lifted up. Uh, keep Peg lifted up as you go through your treatments. And hopefully God will just bless the healing process there. Um, any, anything I'm missing or anybody have anything that you'd like to just offer up as an expression of praise or prayer or concern? Well, if you, okay, Diane. Okay. So pray for uh, Gail Hill. Keep her lifted lifted up as she's gone through such a such a battle with uh, with cancer, and I know that uh, it gets it gets discouraging at times, and so we want her to know that uh, she's in our prayers and that um, we're trusting God with her health. Anything else that anybody has? Yeah, you guys are kind of tired, actually, so we'll uh, we'll just kind of leave it there. Let's go ahead and do one more thing, and that is I'd like to uh, invite um, Rob Coffey. Rob, if you're if you're ready to come up, come on up. Rob said he had a sermon for you guys, so he's the guest sermonator.
we uh, headed back home. It made us about a half an hour later. And uh, we got towards Canton and uh, got on Route 30. And I had this pain in my back that um, I had fallen a couple weeks before and it just felt like I was getting irritated from sitting so long in the car. And uh, it kept getting worse. And we were on 30 and I just thought, this can't be right. I, I lost uh, feeling in both arms. And I could feel tingling in my fingers. So I got out of the car. I pulled off a 30 and got out of the car. And I told Adrian, I told Karen, I said, you got to get me to the hospital. And uh, it was amazing. We were... Uh, right at the Harrison exit. I don't know where the hospital is or anything, but it was the last exit before we head home. And uh, uh, we got there, that hospital wasn't three quarters of a mile away. And uh, sorry about this, I'll get through it. But, uh, I had a heart attack. They put a stent in, and uh, I thought it was good to go. It was kind of neat. I even got to see them put the stent in. I was watching the little screen. I was awake through the whole thing, and I thought that wasn't too bad. And uh, so this little Leonard talks about God moments. I had a bunch of them. And uh, this sounds stupid too, but there's a new guy that's coming here that I was talking to him and he said, I asked him where he worked and he said he works for Phillips. And here he maintains hospital equipment. And uh, the first thing I saw when I got in my room, I looked up at my heart monitor and there was a name Phillips. And this made me think, God's got me taken care of. And uh, I've never been broken like that before. I never had, I always thought I had control of stuff. I never had, I don't have any control over this. And, uh, Then the news came that um, I had to have double bypass surgery and that they didn't want to do it there because I had a ulcerated aorta. So God gave me six weeks to think of my surgery. And uh, believe me, I thought about it every day, but it was weird. I got your prayers. I got your cards. And to be honest with you, I never thought much about cards. But uh, that sure changed. I got cards from four-year-olds four 
I got cards from 90-some-year-olds. I got cards from guys. And I just... <laughs> it blew me away. It blew me away. And... Uh, I knew you guys were praying for me, and I just thought, I'm totally broken with this, and I, I'm one that worries about everything. I was probably more, more worried about coming up here today than uh, going to my surgery, because uh, something came over me. I didn't deserve it a bit. God gave me grace. And he poured it on me big time. I could see the God moments. I could see him working through you guys. And all I could think of is I want to pray for you guys. wanted to pray for this church because I could see it coming together before and um, the many things Leonard said about God moments about God orchestrating things I sure feel like he orchestrated what I went through and uh, we're all going to have trials and I hope you can turn your back and run, I guess, or you can face them. And believe me, it made me a heck of a lot stronger, even though it don't look like it. Um, anyways, my next step of the day came for my surgery, and uh, I just remember looking up at this I got my I got my clothes changed and they put me on a gurney and took me to the operating room and I just remember looking up and seeing this big chrome light above me and uh, you know a couple weeks ago Leonard had a saying about being on fire and uh I wanted to get this behind me, and I just said, let's get this done, and uh, got through it, woke up, and he got me through it, and I, I did have this terrible pain in my back that uh, I told him I wouldn't complain about pain because that meant that I made it, and uh, that pain was terrible. I couldn't turn. I couldn't breathe deep. And uh, it lasted all night. And I forgot to tell you, they changed my surgery from Monday to Thursday. And uh, so everything happened Thursday. And um, Friday came. They... Uh, they had these three tubes in my chest up under my ribs that are graining fluid and it's kind of red looking and uh, I just 
wasn't used to any of that, looking down, seeing it. And uh, it finally subsided enough. They said they're going to pull the tubes. And um, I was looking down. I saw them pull the first one. And the last uh, eight or ten inches of it was bloody. And uh, the thing I thought about was what Jesus went through for us when I saw that coming out. And um, thought this is going to be okay. They, the surgery during the surgery, they stopped my heart to save my life, and uh, they did that to God. They did that to Jesus to kill him. And uh, I just started thinking of Easter with Thursday through Sunday. And uh, I'm not comparing myself at all to Jesus, but uh, I did feel better after the tubes were out. Um, Friday, I had another episode they call it AFib, and it's where your heart revs up. And um, they said if it goes too fast, it can cause a, a clot in your heart, and you're done. And uh, they got it under control, too. And uh, maybe a little too much. I started seeing black like I was going to pass out. But uh, I didn't do anything the rest of the day and slept and... Uh, Sunday came along. It was amazing. Just kind of like Easter. He gave me a new body. I had no pain. And I wasn't on any drugs. They kept offering me Tylenol. I said, I don't have any pain. I don't think I need it. And they told me, well, go ahead and take it. So I did. And... I could not believe it. I could walk. I could get up out of the chair. I could get up out of the bed. No pain. And uh, the other little God moment I had, Leonard came Sunday night to see me. And maybe I, I like to observe stuff and think about stuff. Maybe I thought too much. But um, it was Mandy's birthday. Karen was already in the room with me. And um, so Leonard was the only other one allowed in. So Mandy, on her birthday, sat out in the cold in the car. And um, Leonard had a prayer for me. And it wasn't just for me. He was praying for everybody working there and uh, that he would he was praying that they could do their job to help others and it, w it wasn't a half an hour later the guy just down from me coded and uh, his team went going towards his room and uh They said they didn't have a pulse. And here they, uh, 
they got the paddles out. They were giving him, I don't know, I heard like 200 cc's of something. And here, uh, I heard them to say clear, and they shocked him, and I could hear him say there wasn't any pulse. Or not. They did it again. I can't honestly say if they did it twice or three times. But they got a pulse. And uh, I just thought, Leonard just got done praying about that. And Leonard didn't know, but he might have had a big part in saving that guy's life. And he didn't even know it. And uh, one thing I would like to do is um, if everybody that was in the choir, if you'd come up on stage, please. Anybody that was in the choir or anybody that wants to come up and sing on stage, I want you to come and sing. And I know it's not prepared. I know Brian doesn't, he didn't get to practice. I don't know if he's going to be here. But uh, one other thing I wanted to say about what Leonard's been talking about. He's, he's right on the front of our Lent guide. It, what's it say? It says he wants us to be one. And... Uh, I can see it happening in our church. I can see the God moments. I can see the God orchestrating things. And uh, I'm so thankful because what I didn't deserve was the grace he gave me. And um, if everybody would sing Amazing Grace, I'd really appreciate it. It means a lot to me.
Well, I don't even know where to go after that, Rob. That was really a very powerful testimony to the work of God in your life and in our church. Thank you. I, um, uh, I'm just looking at it. It says there's no sound. Okay, so hopefully, I don't know, we got sound. We've, we've been struggling, trust me, on trying to get our online stuff in order. So we, we keep, we're, we're, we're working. Um, but uh, hopefully that will get resolved. But just for our purposes right now, I think that was a wonderful sort of lead into some of the scripture that we're going to be looking at. Uh, it, it will be a short sermon today <laughs> because the sermon's already kind of happened and it's been embodied in a set of experiences that we've gone through together in this case with Rob Coffey and Karen and seeing how God takes the substance of the word that we've been attending to and shows us how in our everyday moments that comes alive in fresh ways that have Jesus's imprint all over them. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool to see how God just um, shows up if we have our eyes tuned to paying attention. Special fellow. And uh, he was home from the hospital two days. And he called to see how I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was home from the hospital two days, and he calls to see, hey, Cliff, how you doing? <laughs> home from the hospital two days. I think we had a men's gathering. And he's like, you guys better show up. And then he shows up. And then I don't know who didn't show up, but hopefully um, uh, it, uh, it, it was a catalyst for us gathering. And it's been... Pretty awesome to see our church united around the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, there really is no other way. And uh, I wanted to just, uh, based on what we just heard, offer a prayer. And uh, just briefly, and you're like, yeah, we've heard the word briefly in sermon together. We know it takes on a different meaning from the dictionary. We'll pray, and we'll have the Lord's Prayer together. I'll speak, and then... We'll see what God does. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that as we take everything that you have ordered together for a purpose in the chaos of the messiness of life, the uncertainties in our own human frailties and limitations, and because you have been put at the center of that and at the center of our hearts, we've taken some very traumatic moments that expand even into our national and global experience, and we found a peace that passes all understanding. We found a place to position ourselves in your kingdom that enables us to have perspective on all of those things that war against our soul. And we're thankful, Lord Jesus, that in the middle of that, you are there to calm the storms. And you give us that peace that passes all understanding. And you give us urgings and nudgings that reflect how you want us to speak or how you want us to, 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 to attend to the moment. And Lord, we're, we're getting better at that as a church, but there's a lot of work to do. And we pray that as we come before you, that the first step would just be a surrendered heart, 
to you and your purposes for our lives. I thank you for that surrendered heart that we see in Rob and the testimony of effect that it has upon us. And so we don't want to minimize the substance of the moment, but rather savor it in ways that carry us forward in the work that we're called to do. And Lord, we pray for the concerns that we've mentioned, that you would be with um, Joe Carroll and just help her as she gets settled into new, new conditions that hopefully are beneficial to her well-being and her life in you. We pray for Gladys Bota and just for your grace to be upon her and her and Artie's season of grief and that you would just comfort them. And uh, we pray for Peg. We just ask, Lord, that you help her to know um, your strength and your healing and your comfort. Um, and just uh, any relief that she might need, Lord, I pray that you would be that great physician that also is a loving Heavenly Father uh, in that need. And I pray for us as a church as we look at the moment that we're in what we've come out of, how the moment contrasts so much with so many other things. And we have a deep appreciation uh, for your faithfulness in each of our lives, for your grace that is un undeserved and unwarranted, but yet um, lavishly expressed in a spirit of love as you posture yourself in that way towards us. It is just words cannot carry the freight, Lord. We are grateful. And Father, as we do position our own hearts in a way that we can be um, open to your blessing so that we can carry it forward into other people's lives, help us now as uh, we pray together the Lord's Prayer to do so in a way that reflects all the things we've been learning about it and all the things that you have in mind for us with it. So would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, let's... Let's get to work for a minute, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 today. And as we do, we are paralleling the experience that we're having with uh, the Lent devotional guide, and hopefully you guys are, are able to track along with that and benefiting from it. Um, and as we do that, uh, I, I want you to understand something, that the Apostle Paul says a lot of things that aren't always easy to understand, and usually he's got something to say about where we are at in our heart and our minds with the Lord before he even asks us to do anything. There's a lot of preparation that happens in order for us to be who we need to be in any particular moment, whether it's gathering in the fellowship hall for a, 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 a senior prom night that uh, involves uh, a, a vision, a nudging, a vision, a collaboration, um, planning, uh, goals, timetables, all that stuff you don't think about, you don't see because you experience the benefit of it. But if you're on the serving end of it, which many of you are as well, you know that a lot goes into it. Um, and you, don't, you don't even realize it. And it's a lot like um, my niece, uh, Marin, she was in a Geico commercial. And I'll put a picture of her up. I won't play the commercial, but there she is. So uh, she was um, somehow 
in the right place at the right time, and they asked her to do this commercial. 30 seconds. Uh, she got to meet iced tea. Some of you may be like, what's an iced tea? But just leave it at that. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, she doesn't really do much except hold this little, I guess, little iPad or something, whatever it is. And yet two days off to Manhattan, flew her and her mom from Seattle over to Manhattan. They spent a couple days going through different scenes, different ways of approaching it, crews of people setting up lighting and all of this stuff, and then um, having a trailer, being treated like a Hollywood actress, you know, getting the makeup and all of the hair and all that stuff, and costuming and all of that so that she could hold the sign for three seconds. And she said, hey, I'm in a commercial. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I'd like to see what your acting ability is. And I realized, uh, I, I knew her well enough to know her acting ability, and she's actually very good at acting up. So we'll, uh, uh, but she, she's a, uh, uh, before we had kids, uh, Maren was in our world a lot. And uh, so her parents were going through a severe illness with her dad, who eventually passed away, and she spent a lot of time with us. Uh, but we we're kind of proud because we've seen her go through a series of processes to uh, launch her career, um, and then uh, interesting to see how there are a series of processes so that she could be in a 30-minute commercial. You just don't know. I mean, for 14 days, we had the bypass blocked off here in Salem, right, for filming of a, of a, of a, of a, a movie that will be coming out sometime soon or if it's not already out, and probably they're going to show us 30 seconds, you know, all that hoopla. But the interesting thing is it's not a whole lot different than what God does in our lives to prepare us for key moments that are going to be showcased in the, um, in, in the theater of everyday life. If we are not prepared, if we don't have everything in the background happening the way it needs to happen, then it's not going to come out the way it should. And if there's anything that we probably have to appreciate is the fact that there's a lot of preparation that goes into making the moments of life that are meaningful, that are critical, happen in the right way. And that's why we go through the disciplines and the habits of coming to church, of reading scripture, of hearing the word, of serving, of trusting God whenever things are happening that are clearly out of our control, and then stepping back and recognizing, oh, that's a God moment. Oh, you know what? We prayed this, and then God did that. And there's something about tuning ourselves as the people of God in that way that makes all the difference in the world. And that's why I've so enjoyed what's kind of manifested through this experience that I've gone through with the elders, first of all, and going through um, Acts chapter 2 and Ephesians 4, and we're going to go through Matthew 28, and how that shaped their thinking about how they postured themselves towards the church. And then how we are going through that during our Lent season and also allowing it to kind of shape our own thinking. Because I'll tell you what, I don't know what's ahead, but I do know out there is coming apart at the seams. And if we are not on our game in here, we're not going to be ready for whatever that is, if that is going to be an is. And if God is working in our church in the way that I've seen it happen, bringing us into a unified whole, centering us around the Lordship of Christ, and using all the things that we've been doing with Ephesians and with today and, 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 and 
and going backwards into Acts, and then, of course, all the stuff that we've been following Jesus into as we've explored the book of Luke together Sunday after Sunday. There's something happening there that is a God orchestration, and it's larger than any of us. But along the way, God is showing I'm active when one of our beloved has a heart attack. I'm active when another one of our beloved has cancer. I'm active in these things. And I want the body to be of one mind about how I'm postured towards those particular situations. And I want you to be a part of it. But we can't be those people without knowing why we're doing the thing that we're doing in the first place. And if you're like me, like a good American... I jump into stuff before I really think it through sometimes. I can't tell you the, the number of house projects that I've done where I've jumped into it and kind of messed it up worse than it was supposed to be, ended up having to pay more money for the outcome of that than I would have paid somebody because I didn't really understand what I was doing. Of course, now I do know. But the same is true with the church. If we really don't understand why we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're probably not going to do it well. And God's put us all into a big time out to say, I want you to rediscover why you guys show up here every Sunday. And I'm not singling anybody out. He's saying that to all of us. And as he does that, he's also reprogramming our own understanding of why we're here through the scriptures that we've been looking at. And the one that we're looking at today in Ephesians 4, Paul has to sort of do that. And the book of Ephesians is very interestingly put together. Paul spends three whole chapters trying to explain why what he's going to be asking us to do in chapter 4, why it's important. And you know, we're not used to having to sit there for three chapters digesting the substance of that before we can do what we're called to do right. So I want to say this as I go into it, as it all has bearing on what is happening here, because this is really a life-imitating art moment almost. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 uh, for, for this Sunday and next Sunday. And what it does is, is, we haven't even read it yet, but you'll be reading it devotionally. It describes the steps the church has to take in order to fulfill, to fulfill the Lord's Prayer. When you and I pray every Sunday, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Now, we pray that prayer, but we don't always calibrate the significance of what God is asking us to pray about. And when you think about the overwhelming task of taking the substance of heaven in all of its perfection, which used to be united with earth in the form of the Garden of Eden, and how the fall created distortion and separation. And now God is saying, I want you to pray for that to come back. I want you to pray that the conditions here on earth, the conditions of the lives of the people that I'm reclaiming, can get back into sync with my heart and my purposes. You know, I think, Rob, you mentioned a lot of things, but 
One thing struck me about how arrhythmia creates a need for the, the, the heart and the lungs to come into sync so that oxygen can get metabolized in the appropriate way. And when that doesn't happen, it overfunctions to a degree that other side effects begin to occur and blood clots happen and then we all know what happens after that. And as that occurs, it's because primarily things are out of sync by design. And essentially, God is saying there are blood clots everywhere here because things are out of sync. Heaven and earth are not merged together in their appropriate way, doing what they are appropriately called to do according to their kind. Now, as we go through Scripture, we find that in the very beginning, God uses that phrase, according to its kind, I mean, chapter 1, right out of the gate in the book. You open it up, chapter 1. God makes things, puts them in order according to their kind, and then God says it's good. And um, the fall happens, and then everything else has just been a reclamation project of trying to get the heart and the lungs to flow together according to their kind and purpose so that they're mutually reinforcing one another, creating health. And when we as a body each of us, according to our own kind, are mutually reinforcing one another, we're healthy. And the metaphor carries over in, in the work that, that, that is happening here in this writing. So let's go to the next slide real quickly. And as we do, um, I want to quote early on in Ephesians here because Paul is, he, he, he takes a little bit of work. He says, um, in him, in Christ... We have redemption through his blood. And this is Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Several things that Rob even just mentioned as he was talking about his own uh, testimony, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. That is, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to use my people to do it starting with my son, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan from the fullness of time all the way back to the story in the, at the beginning to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Does that sound a little bit like the Lord's Prayer, by the way? To unite all things in heaven and on earth. And somehow there's an, there's an act of agency that we are called to attend to, first praying that the reality of heaven would come to bear here on earth and praying that it would happen in our own hearts. And I think a lot of us kind of assume that if we got our politics right or our marketplace right or the economic system right or we get any number of things that will make us feel like, yeah, life is good now, if we just get those things in order, then we'll get back to not having to worry about things being broken. But I want to tell you something. The reason why Jesus had to come is because it is broken and it can't fix itself and it will never fix itself. Politics will never fix it. Any of the policies that people put out there and say, if we can only do this and fix that, it'll all be good. It just ain't happening. It'll never happen. But there needs to be a colony of people who are stationed here who can be a voice to a broken world that is just 
spinning around, chasing its tail in darkness, looking for answers that are not to be found except in one place. And that is in the one who unites all things in heaven and on earth together to begin with. There's a phrase here that Paul uses, and I won't, I, won't, I won't say the Greek word, but it basically means this in Ephesians 1.10. This verse has really been on my heart for a long time. And it says, essentially, everything, and I mean everything, based on what Paul said there, is ordered together for a purpose in Christ. You catch that? Because this has got deep significance. When you talk about things being orchestrated, typically that happens to a lesser or greater degree based on our involvement, our willingness to be a part of the things of God. You guys are willing to pray for Rob. You know, I was willing to go to the hospital and stuff, and he mentioned that. But it's not just me or us. It's a whole bunch of people that are open to asking the question, God, what are you doing here now? What do you want me to do? And that degree of openness enables that orchestration to happen at an even deeper level. I hope that's, I know you guys are tired, I'm tired, but I hope you catch that. It is that willingness to listen to the God whisper or to pay attention to the God nudging because God is probably saying, I got a lot of moving parts here that you don't even know about. And I'm asking you to do this one thing because you're part of the whole plan. You know, Marin said that she got to meet Ice-T just real quickly, and it was, of course, pretty cool. But overall, she's just got, she's just one person in one stage setting doing one particular shot. Some editors who are looking at all the different settings of all the different people are saying what is the purpose here and how can we order this together so that it will be what it needs to be. But most of the actors and people called to do that aren't even aware of the other parts, don't have a clue. And sometimes they do get in on it, and sometimes it's not until you go back and you watch the commercial, you watch the movie, and then you're like, oh, this was going on, this is going on, this is going on, this was my part here. I didn't realize that's what they were going to do with it. I didn't realize that's what God was going to do with it. And when we gather for worship and we say, I'm going to take all of my stuff, my attitude of the moment, which may, may not be good, may be bad, I'm going to take all of the things, concerns that I have, the issues I have with the church, whatever, I'm going to put those aside and I'm going to take this sanctified moment, this God moment, this Kairos moment called 9 o'clock to, to whenever Leonard gets done. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to say, God, I am here to listen to what you have to say. And it's more than just me talking. It's the, the, it's the, the culmination of all the events that happen as God orchestrates things in this room. God is in the business of putting everything back according to its kind in the right way. The world is in the business of trying to shuffle things around, confuse the categories, 
confuse who's a person and who's not and who's a better person and who's not a better person and who, who is sexually this and who's not sexually that and who is thinking the right way and who's not thinking the right way. The only person that can put that in order, because we don't seem to do a very good job of it, is God. Because that was the original design. Made everything according to his kind. When something shows up five times in a, as a sentence fragment in the first chapter of the Bible, if it shows up five times, what do you think it's saying? Pay attention. Which the teachers used to tell me a lot when I was a kid, but that's the sidebar. But this I do pay attention to. Because I believe everything in the universe, everything in the universe, will be put back in its right place when the whole universe finds its right, rightful place within Christ. Everything is ordered for a purpose in him. Your life, my life, the six and a half days that are apart from this moment, our family, people around us, God is saying, I want that to work according to its kind, in its own way, in its own boundary, in its own role, in its own responsibility. When that happens, it's not like we're mechanically doing it. When that happens as a result of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life, not in an over-calibrated, dramatic way where somebody's knocking me over in the Spirit like on TV, and not in an under-calibrated way where, yeah, the Holy Spirit, that's a category and um, I get him when I'm saved, he's a deposit, that's it. No. In the way that he energizes us to be the human beings that we're supposed to be to begin with, that we can only recapture that humanity when Jesus is at the center of it. That kind of way. The Holy Spirit animates our whole being in a way that we take on that persona of who we are supposed to be to begin with. You with me? Because I'm like talking Paul language now. And I've been down the road with Paul quite a bit to the point where sometimes I just want to pull my hair out. But I want you to understand something. When Paul writes this letter and he is getting ready to tell us these next words, it's with this in mind. According to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Simply that. But everything about this world is broken and disordered and not really functioning according to its kinder purpose. Myself included. We're all sort of this work in prog process of getting back in order again. But God's grace is sufficient for each day and our shortcomings. So Paul writes, and I won't say much, beyond what, what we're getting ready to look at, he says these words. Um, well, he, he writes about redemption, revelation, restoration of order. The only way that we can be restored in our humanity is the first we got to be redeemed. Jesus wasn't just a good person like some people would say. He actually was the rescuer of our souls out of the captivity and the dominion that we've been under, which is the evil one. He reveals to us what he wants. 
So we read the scripture and we find out now what are we supposed to do. And it centers on restoring everything around Christ. So there are agents that are necessary for that task. And that's why the church is important. Oh, this is hard to communicate sometimes, but once it sinks in, we understand why we needed the hairdresser and we needed the makeup artist and we need the set designer and we needed the prop person and we needed the producers and we needed the ones who were directing it. All that background stuff is also part of your faith and mine. And so Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one, or one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And as he's just writing these few words, there's going to be more that we're going to break down. But next he says, and I, and, I, and, and, and I want you to pay attention to this, because we just had a one-body moment a minute ago, which was okay by me. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, and through all and in all, despite the fact that all is kind of messed up, he's hanging with it all. How many times you see the word one in there? Seven times. When does the word seven show up first in the Bible? Seven days of creation. When everything is sorted together the way it should be, it's all good. I think it was intentional when Paul did that. I think he said that if the body's, if the body's in sync with the spirit and if the hope is driving the thing forward, and if there is only one Lord and there's only one faith that we have in that Lord and allegiance, if there's only one baptism that says that's the moment that we're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom... And if there's only one God and Father overall, when all of those things are one with each other, as Jesus prayed, I pray that they would be one, as you and I are one. My guess is Paul is saying unity is important. It is paramount. And there's something about disunity disharmony, discord that doesn't resonate with any of us. But there's something about things being in sync that bring life and health and well-being and thriving. And Paul says, I want that to happen because I'm getting ready to tell you, it's getting ready to happen. And as he's saying these words, he pays careful attention to the posture that we take towards one another. So backing up a little bit, I don't know how far I'm going to get through the message outline, but I'm only going to go just a, a few places here. So with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
with putting up with one another in love. It's one thing to put up with one another. It's another thing to do it in love. Because, hey, let's be honest. We don't all agree on things. We never will. We never will all agree on everything. But we have to agree on the main thing. Then everything else is just kind of working it out as we go. And Paul says the only way the church can work is with humility. Around a bloodstained cross that is represented at a table, every Sunday we remind ourselves there's not a person in this church that I'm better than. There's not a person in this church that is better than me. We are all equally humiliated at the foot of the cross, which is the starting place for being built up into who we need to be. I mean, the first step of an alcoholic is what? I guess I got a problem. I've been telling everybody else it's their fault, but maybe it's me. And when we start to own our share of the responsibility, we look at other people with a little bit more gentleness. Because we don't really have any stones to throw anymore. But we see the woundedness in other people's eyes. And it kind of resonates with our own woundedness. And it's easy to be gentle with someone that's wounded. And with patience. We kind of laugh about praying for patience, but I don't know if you know this, or I pray every day a formalized prayer. I, I, I pray for it every day. I get mad at the end of the day. I'm like, why would you do that? But when you, when you take the elements of life that God doles your way that create the capacity for patience, you do that often enough, you just learn to get pretty patient because you know God is up to something. You know that in the timeline, which is different than our own, you're going to go from getting a phone call saying, tearfully, Rob just had a heart attack, and I don't know what to do. I am beside myself. I'm, in my, I'm parking my car, and I don't even know how to take the next step. Coming into a worship gathering on March 27th, I don't know, something like that, to have a testimony of all the completed events where God said, Rob, you're a very patient guy, but it's going to go to an even deeper level of learning to trust me in the adversity. And then the outcome makes it worth it. I, I prayed for Rob whenever he was there. I never prayed this prayer for anybody, but I got tired of God calling people home, I said, you can't take him. <laughs> I said, he's just starting to sort of bloom here. And you, you heard me, didn't you? You cannot take him. Please don't take him. I mean, I didn't tell God what he could do or couldn't do. I just said, God, please don't take him. We need him. And that's what I felt like I had to pray in that moment. And I felt like God was saying, I, I'm going to honor that. But he also says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
And that's really what we are doing. The elders started to do as we gathered for prayer. We said and during the, the pandemic, how can we show, hopefully, some substance to our people as leaders? And then what does that mean as we explore these scriptures? And then we encourage you to be a participant in that journey through the Lent, the Lent stuff we've put together. And it, it really is a result of saying, myself and the, and the elders and the staff, we want our church to be unified. Not around anything, any person, any idea, any other agenda. Except what the scripture has defined as the appropriate characteristics of the church. And I think it's paid off. I do. But that's been out of an eagerness to maintain the unity on things that we agree on. And if you have two people that are opposed to each other and there's nothing that they can agree on, you will never have unity. But if you have two people that are opposed to each other and there's that one thing that they both say that is important, then you start with that one thing, whatever it is, and you work backwards from that thing into the moment of your relationship. And that one thing will help you to be one together in your differences. And Paul sees that very vividly because there is a spirit at work enabling that dynamic, creating a peace. You guys feel peace right now? You feel relaxed? Want to fall asleep? I do. It's been, it's been really enjoyable to come into experiences with you guys in this season. Because there's a, there's a palpable peace in the air. And I think all these things are because we all want that unity. We all want that Lord who can create it and provide it. So let me see if I got my message notes right. Let's go through our outline real quickly. Let's move forward if we can. So we've, we've explored that. And I, I'm going to talk about calling, but not today. Um, and I, I want you to know those are the fill-ins for that. And then, um, if you got those, humility, gentleness, patience, it's like what's described in the scripture. And I put putting up with each other in love. And I'll go to the next slide. Sometimes we have to fight for peace and unity. And I, I like watching, you know, the mixed martial art fighter, fighters and stuff. But I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking about the intentional effort that you have to put into keeping things healthy that requires a fighting spirit that is characterized by humility and love, if that can make any sense. Energy towards that which is important. That's something we have to fight for every day. Because you take something that's important to you and you don't take care of it, it won't take care of you anymore. And so keep that in mind as we close this part. And um, we're going to probably be going about seven, eight minutes over today. Apologize for that. But I think what happened in this gathering was important. 
I don't know about you guys. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to the Lord's table, which is centered on Jesus fighting for the unity of the body persistently every Sunday. We are at the foot of the cross, imagining what our Lord has done as it's emptied by his now risen presence, but yet carrying the stains of his shed blood that's a reminder of the cost. And the thanksgiving that we offer to him in a spirit of gratitude and worship. It says, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for helping my soul to be what it needs to be. Thank you for giving me peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me for things I did or thought last week. Thank you, Lord, that everything I need is ordered for a get together for a purpose through everything that you are. And we take the loaf and the cup and we take he who is into our being together so that we may become like him. And always in a spirit of gratitude, we thank him for the loaf and the cup and the life that he brings. Amen. commands all the hosts of heaven who else can make every king bow down who else can whisper in darkness
Jesus, you died to make us one, and you rose to give us the power to do so. So by resurrection power and new life, may we step forward in solidarity. May you make our eyes to see what's essential. May, may you make us to desire unity, and may it be gospel unity. And may we be transformed. And in order for that to happen, may we look to you by faith be changed by hearing and holding safe and taking to heart the truth by your grace do this work in, in, within us and grant us the power to bear the fruit that you are after and indeed provide as well and it's for your wonderful name we pray amen all right we'll see you soon